I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Sure. I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror Eating pasta, primavera, feeding caca, be together People never know the wild shit we might say Grew up on Eddie Murphy, Jerky Boys, and Dice Play. I've been waking up nights, screaming Brooklyn Blast podcast Mama took my porn mags, jerkins, and a soft rags Easy when we talk about Mr. Ferrari Cause we go way back when we used to play Atari Sparked weed, taking shots like the Fratelli's RV Doing donuts in the parking lot at Arby's Car keys, now you can't leave, lock the door Please, Jimmy's on a mission. Time to start the intervention. Let's go. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. In the jar and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't. She's the only one who can stop it if she fails. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. Another episode of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast with my newfound friend, which is awesome, Jezu Garcia, but I have to say, also known as Nick Corey from Nightmare on Elm Street. Also known as Rod Lane, really, from Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm also known as Tom Fox. I was just going to say that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> you did your research. You did your research. I, I had to. I had to. Um, yes, Tom Fox. Um, now, in no particular order, just for the people who are watching or listening, um, I'll start out, like I said, in no particular order, with TV shows that people might have seen you on, which your first role was in Fame, which I actually grew up watching. Fame. Actually, my sister watched Fame. It was kind of on in the background. The great know? Erica Gimple. I was Coco's boyfriend or I was going to marry her or something, I think. And what they do? They killed you off the show or something? I was lying about uh, being a dancer. I, I joined the army. Okay. Something. I gave up my dream. You know, they do that lecture thing, follow your dream. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, it's, it's a sad story. It's just giving up your dream to join the Marines. Nothing wrong with that, but it was uh, kind of interesting. I didn't know that you were a Marine. No, no, not me in the show. In the show. So you just. In, in the yeah. show, I was a dancer that left and joined the Marines. So okay. That, that's, that's a little odd. It's that's a little odd. odd. Yeah, especially well, with Coco, you know. <laughs> yeah, 
You were also in JAG. You were in Arliss, Miami Vice, which is awesome. Grew up on two episodes. Two episodes. With it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't matter. You're credited, and and that'll be forever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but I, I, I always I love those shows because you know they kill you. They wait six months and they invite you back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no rhyme or reason. It's awesome. Um, Crossing Jordan, Babylon Five, and a recurring role on Without a Trace. Um. And now I'm sure, you know, that's just tip of the iceberg because you have a lot of credits, which I didn't realize once I did a little bit of research. I was like, wow, you were in a lot more things than I realized. Because obviously I, I never really watched Crossing Jordan. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, as far as movies, I've seen the majority of the movies you were in and love a ton of them. Wildcats, which is which is classic. Vampire in Brooklyn. I mean, it's Brooklyn. It's Eddie Murphy, you know? Traffic, which is one of my favorite movies. The, the cast is ridiculous. Um, you were Roman in Collateral Damage, worked with Arnold, which is awesome in and of itself. Very, uh, nice, very uh, nice. Oh, dude, it's so good. Um, along came Polly. Um, you were Captain Nadal. We were soldiers. I recently watched it maybe like a month ago, and then it hit me. I, I was like, that's the Nightmare on Street guy. I'm like, it's, and I seen it like when it first came out and then I rewatched it and then it hit me. That's incredible, dude. I mean, Sam Elliott, like, I think he's an unsung, underrated actor. That dude is amazing. Obviously, Mel Gibson. And then, of course, Rod Lane in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, before we go into everything, I have a question. My actually, probably like my only legit question is you were in a play called Short Eyes, correct? Oh, my God, you're doing the research. Now, no, see, now there's a weird correlation. Once I knew about that, it, 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 it sparked something because I know that the movie Short Eyes was Luis Guzman's first role ever. Is it the same? Was it a play basically like the movie? Yeah, the play, the movie ripped off the play because it was, ah. it was a Pinero's masterpiece and Guzman's in it. I don't know what part he played, but you can never make that into a movie. I'm sorry, Guzman. All right. Take it back, baby. You've yeah. done everything. He's stolen all my roles, by the way. Has he? Guzman Come on, he's is, a New Yorker, too. You got to give him a little slap. You can't mess with him, dude. He just nails every role. I just recently <laughs> saw Armando Asante. And he was in it. And I was so jealous. His uh, I love looking back at Armando Asante's movies. And he did. Um, uh, Got it. Was a, it was a Sydney. It was a was it a Sydney? No, it was a. Uh, it was it was. It, uh, oh, Q&A with um, with uh, Nick Nolte. Yes. And Guzman is like, man, he's one of the cops. I'm like, forget about it. This guy was working. <laughs> he nailed, you know, he's the kind of guy, you know, with my ego, they fire me. With his ego, they always, he just was cool, man. They just kept hiring him and hiring him and hiring him. And he, I worked, I didn't get to meet him, but I worked with him on uh, traffic. I think he was one of the cops in yes. traffic, right? Yes. He's he just gets better. And then I fell in love with him. In, uh he played uh, Narco, right? Didn't he play? Uh, he was in Narco. His his like 
he's another guy that's like everything he's in, he never has like the starring role. Like he's never the lead man, but I think he's better as the role that he plays because he steals movies, man. Like steals everything, dude. Carlito's way. Carlito's way as Pachanga, ridiculous. Um, Boogie Nights. He's and he's always so grimy. I love that dude. Man. He's he's a stealer, you know. And I know it. I I would never mess with him on the screen. But uh, uh, why do we come up with him? Uh, short eyes. Oh, short eyes. Yeah, the the play. I'm sorry. The movie will never touch the play. And that's where uh, you can't transfer it. The play is phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's gritty. It has a. Uh, I, I don't know if the movie had the original cast. I might take that back. I think if it did have the original cast, then we're rocking. Okay. But Miguel Pinero was, I remember I was hitchhiking. I was super young. And this girl picks me up and she goes, hey, you need to do Miguel Pinero's short eyes. And I never forgot that. I was in the days when you can hitchhike. I was hitchhiking to auditions. I didn't have a car. I was poor. Really? I was just going to ask you. All right. Let's back off for a second. You were born, you were born and raised in New York? I was born in New York. I can't say raise. I found out I was uh, uh, born in Washington Heights. And it's funny that they did a musical. Uh, I don't remember it as joyful as the musical. <laughs> and then, yo, we run out of money and we go to Newark. Okay. So I grew up with rats trying to come into the house, big ones. Yeah. And uh, it was not that pleasant. Uh, no. <laughs> but, but I got to know New York as I started to work there. Yeah. And the you know everybody goes yo if you make it in New York make it anywhere and I'm like not really, right. uh, and so a lot of the California actors can do just as good a job as New York actors. So sure. we like the sun and the beach. I don't blame you. The way that the way that the, these California guys like the Sean Pens, I grew up with those guys. So I was in the in the loft studio, the loft studio with Peggy Fury, which was competing with New York acting teachers like Stella Adler and, okay. and, and Uta Hagen, great teachers. And then there was this whole left East coast, West coast, but not the rap game, but the right. game. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a lot of us actors were, uh, we don't want to be, we can't beat a New Yorker. You just can't beat a New Yorker. Right. So I, I could never, I could fake a New Yorker, but I can't be a New Yorker. A New York is a state of mind. A hundred percent. And I went on a couple auditions in New York. I'm like, forget this. I'll never work. <laughs> these, these actors will kill you for lunch. Yeah. And yeah, man. I went to California and laid down and got sun and got rolls. Yeah. I don't. And you know what? More power to you, man, because that's one thing. Listen, I was, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn and I hate the cold. People are like, oh, you're from New York. You should, you know, you're from the Northeast. You should be used to the winter and the snow and the book. I hate it, man. I hate it. I had an opportunity like, I don't know, about 12 years ago or so. I moved down to Miami. I lasted a year. I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds great. My parents were down there. All I thought was palm trees, the beach, no shoveling snow. I'm all in. I go down there after like six months. I was like, I've I'm already done. Like, I need a cold day, even though I hate the winter. It's weird, yeah. man. Something always drags me back here. I, I, I mean, I'm getting your vibe. You're a New Yorker, man. That's it. And yeah, it's, it's, and then you can't, I would, I would have a hard time. Like John Leguizamo is, 
insane actor. Yeah. So it was very hard to beat a lot of John Leguizamo. So, you know, you, I just took my territory, which was anything west of New York. <laughs> I could probably nail. Yeah. I, I definitely can nail Cubans and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but I, I knew that the New Yorkers would be in trouble if they wanted to, to get parts on TV and movies. They'd have to come to the West Side, to the right. West Coast, unless casting was out of New York. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I decided, Hey, I'll, I don't want theater. And I, and I knew I wasn't, I could do theater, but man, the theater, the theater, I appreciate the New York theater animal. And I just couldn't be that. Right. I saw, I saw American Buffalo without Pacino. And I was like, I can't touch this. Yeah. <laughs> it's Pacino. It's crazy, man. Nuts, like another legendary dude. And now there's a certain couple of people that you must have had, there had to have been, all right, coming from where you came from and then you you fast forward, next thing you know, you had to have had like these oh shit moments, like how did I wind up here type things, haven't you? Like how was it like, like you're working with like Benicio Del Toro or Arnold Schwarzenegger or Mel Gibson. It's like, were those moments where you had to be like, this is almost like surreal? Well, let's do a little spiritual stuff. Um, Talk to me. Because there's a thing in spirit. I, I mean, I found out this later and it's, you can go read about it. It's called ranging or. I want to talk to you about that in a little bit anyway. Yeah. Well, well that's how. Uh, if you don't mind. I, of course, in terms of Benicio, uh, ranging and uh, uh, it's ranging and then something. But basically, Benicio and Andy Garcia, I was like, I've got to work with these guys. I dreamt, you know, part of going for your dream is dreaming about every day. At the day, I'll be with Benicio. I'll be looking at Benicio. I'll be, by the way, we went to school together in acting class, and I never knew that he would get anywhere. Really, and then, and then he's Benicio del Toro, and I'm like, well, I got to work with this guy. He knows me, right. and then Andy Garcia. I know, you know, and then uh, and then you have dreams with them, where you're with them, and it's real, and you know it, and it could look like a stocking situation, you know, yeah, a serial killer, and it, it's called ranging, and uh, I'll figure it out. But there's a. a uh, but basically I pulled the creation to me okay. because we're all creators and I broke into the, I didn't break in. I snuck into the Paramount pictures before nine 11. You could just roll into Paramount pictures. Sure. He had finished untouchables, Andy Garcia. And I'm like, Hey man, I want to work with you. And it was, uh, if you read your productions, you gotta be a hunter as well. There's a, in, in New York, there's a thing called backstage. It was also yeah. in the West Coast. Yeah. You read your productions, what's going on. And it was uh, Lost City with Andy Garcia. And it took 17 years after my meeting with him to work with him. So that tells you how long that vision is. So I was sure. in his face. He was about to do Godfather 3 or he did it. I was like, hey, I was a young guy. And I was like, yeah, hey, I'm going to work with you. I want, I was naive. I was like, I want to play your brother. Little did I know I would play Che Guevara. Yes. <laughs> so I was, uh, so there I, so there's the dream come true. By the way, there was subsequent deja vus growing up. 
about it's like a Jew playing Hitler. Okay, so I was I grew up in the in the house of Cubans. Right. And little did I know, I'm I can't say that Che was like a Hitler, but let's just say a, a killer. Sure. But who an opposing enemy? Who would have known that I have to call my dad and say, "Hey, man, I'm playing. I'm going to play Che Guevara. Are you cool with that?" But you know, because he knows how. You know, when the price is right, they all sell out. They're like, oh, of course. course. <laughs> My son, Andy, you know, tell him I know him. Yeah. So then Benicio, I work. Uh, uh, was it? Is it ranging and then astroplaning? Yes, it's all that. It's okay. Amazing. No, there was, it was, it was, as you were trying to figure out, I was thinking myself, and I couldn't think of the word. I thought maybe that was the word you were trying to Let me tell to you something. Let me ask you a question. Do you oh. see, do you see Paris right now? Do you see the Eiffel Tower? In my head, of course that's that's how you see that's how you end up working with these guys that's how you see your goals if you look at most successful people they imagine owning the building before they owned it right. they imagine marrying the person before they met them okay they imagined it all and uh you know nine times out of ten i've i've heard successful stories really like incredible stuff and benicio was twice i did traffic and i did his chain huh. Um, and and it, it I can say luck and I can also say God had a lot, you know, God meaning our creator, because we're all together. Yeah. And it's like, yo, if you want it, it just relax. It'll come your way. If you're greedy about it, you ain't going to get nothing. Right. So it's all about a Taoist D D-O-A, a Taoist yeah. or D-A-O. You, you got to sit back. You, you know, of course, you're from. Brooklyn, you know, and New York, if you want the girl, you don't show it. You just got to right. relax. <laughs> you just got to relax. Right. And if you look desperate, the movie part's over. The, right. You got to look at a, you got to look at a movie part, like a woman that you want, but you can't desire her too much. Right. But you got to be able to go, Hey, I think I can work with this. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But Benicio was two, two times. And I was like, Oh my God, this all came true. Huh. Um, Travolta was the only one that ranged. I did a ranging. Uh, I wish I could learn a ranging or something or tracking. I don't know what it is, but I went into his home and he's a spiritual guy too. So he hit yeah. me back in the dream state. He was like, Hey, don't come in here. You're not invited. So you also got to be careful. You can't just inflict yourself and go into the <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You're bulldozing your way through people's doors. Right. So that was a, that was a violation. So I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh -huh. So when I ranged and when I did uh, project, it's like projecting yourself in the role. Right. Uh, and you can almost do that in auditions and jobs that you want. You see yourself there and it, that's non-inflictive. But when I went into the person's home and I'm like, yo, I'm here, give me a role. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work out too good for you. No. <laughs> Not at all. Now that you know, now there's CIA books that talk about tracking and and uh, oh, remote viewing. It's called. Ah, oh, there you go. Okay. Remote remote viewing, and so you have to be careful because you could get karma. Uh, those are spiritual words. I and know. Psych, and psych, so if I remote view you in your house, that's not cool. All right. And not, I can't be nosy, man. <laughs> I can't do anything that you you're not OK with, by the way. It's right. not like the Germans are coming in. But right. It's like remote viewings, like a little bit of a psychic intrusion. It's not bad, but 
certain people know the rules yeah. don't do it because you can get you could get karma you know like I, I my stuff had to do with movies and acting it had right. it didn't have to do with hurting anybody it was like and you know and i would find out where casting directors were yeah and send them send them my audition tapes and you know you hustle when was your moment you probably had that moment everybody probably has the moment when you realize that you wanted to become an actor was there a particular person you saw a certain show whatever like i want to do that it was dean martin uh i don't know whether i knew i was a man or a woman then but i was like oh i want to marry him and then I guess <laughs> my cuban dad was like what are you talking about you're a guy <laughs> yeah when you're young, you're just a, you're a, you're, yeah. a, you're like, Hey, I don't know. This right. is my cousin. So I was dancing with my girl cousin and we were all pretending to be Dean Martin. I was Dean Martin. And I think he was coming out with like, remember the, the American James Bond? Like, yes. And then, so I wanted to be a, Jane, a Dean Martin. So I was young. And then I looked up at the stars and said, I mean, it's really like cliche and said, oh, I want to be a star because they live forever. And then apparently not. A lot of my friends in the acting business are dying. So <laughs> when Seymour, when Seymour Hoffman died, I was like, oh, man, that's a bummer. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, that was really that I worked with him on Long Camp Polly and that really. Yeah, that hurt my feelings. Like, why would you do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a few that hurt, and then and there's a few like that are still around. But as you know, we're both getting older, and it's like you know there's going to be that day where you're going to be at work, or you're going to be where, and you're going to get the news that so and so died. And I, I I might drop a tear for a couple of them, man, actors and shit. You know, I grew up watching. Well, the I, you know, I know the inner, the world of acting, and it's not an easy world, and it's horrible it can be a a terrible it could be terribly lonely terribly lost on those down moments there's a lot of downtime and you better be busy right uh better get busy better get busy it doesn't need what does your hat say yeah it says busy oh yeah it just says uh guarding the, the travel, the travel yeah. okay um but yeah uh that was it when i was young i wanted to be a star i I achieved it. I, I retired and I didn't want to do it anymore. You just and, said, that. I'm good. Andy Garcia was playing around with me and he kind of, he kind of, I was Che Guevara. Like, like I had hit the perfect role. Every actor looks for that right role. Uh -huh. I, I killed it. This was my role. I, I, I found it by accident. I tripped, fell and landed on the role. Right. And he, uh, he said, you'll probably never want to do anything again. And I was like, he's crazy. And then, in fact, that would be the down. I would start uh, kind of dismantling my career slowly. And then wait, 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 what year was that? Like, that's 2005. OK. Two, 2005, 2004, 2005. And then I would have a little bit. And my other favorite was the uh ann rice ein rice is uh um uh uh atlas shrugged gotcha 
part one. They did, they did the book in three parts. I was done. I was like, all right, I did the, cause I always wanted to do the fountainhead. Okay. And I always wanted to do a Che Guevara or the Godfather. And right. I did Che, I was done. Hmm. And, uh, and Andy, and then I wrote to Andy not long ago and I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm done. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm sure if someone called and said, Hey, here's some money, would you do it? Yeah. But I don't, I no longer have the bug. And I, I just wonder if it's a young man's game because you need a lot of, I'm 58. Can I do it? Uh, I don't know. You got to have a lot of, you know, all these uh, like De Niro getting old and Pesci. Yeah. Yeah. But dude, listen, yeah, but listen you're, 50, you're 58. Yeah. I, I look at Pesci and I'm like, man, he's just about to keel over. And I'm like, I don't know how much more they got when I saw the Irishman. I thought it was delightful, but yeah. I also felt it was like the end. Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird. The, the Irishman, I thought it was awesome. I honestly think it could have been a half hour shorter. I love Pesci. I love De Niro. I mean, I grew up watching those dudes. But they're they're iconic. So to see they're in, I mean, how many movies has De Niro been in? Every movie that comes out with De Niro, you watch it because it's De Niro. You know what I mean? And I just think it's it's odd because we remember him all the way back in Mean Streets. And then you see him in The Irishman. It's like time is a very strange thing. And is it the end for them? Uh, I mean, it's coming close to an end. But, dude, you look like you're like 42. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, thank you. I, I, don't, I don't like watching my heroes play old guys. I don't blame you. And I, like, I, love, I love De Niro. And I'm like, but De Niro, but when you, you look older, but when you put makeup to look older, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. When Pesci, Pesci's like the best. And Pesci, you're putting more makeup on to look older. I don't want to see it. And right. you're walking slowly. What the hell? Yeah. You know, it was, I was kind of embarrassing when, because you have the picture of De Niro, you know, beating people up and kicking them. There's, there's always those famous shots of De Niro kicking somebody with the camera looking up. Classic Scorsese, like in Goodfellas and Casino. But then he was he was so much older in the Irishman and he throws the guy the beating outside and it was like, dude, you're like an old man. Like, it doesn't look like you would be very effective. I was kind of embarrassed for him. But he's De Niro, so he gets a pass. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but you, but you don't look, you don't look as old as you are. And, and you, man. thank you. No. Nah, so and it's like, are you done? Come on, man. Stop it. It's, it. I would have to, you know, uh, what is it? Paul Newman or Dustin Hoffman. They would accept roles on strictly like, where is it? Where are you shooting it? And is yeah. it warm? <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> listen, so they got to shoot in your neighborhood and you go in your Oh shit. So now you, you, you do your play, your short eyes play. And then, and then you do your, your role on fame. And then the next thing you do is Nightmare on Elm Street. Is that how it worked? Yeah. Short eyes got me, uh, awards. It was unbelievable. And it was right, right scary, out of the gate. You win an awards, man. Yeah, It was a scary role, dude. Cause I was a young skinny guy and men wanted to rape me in the play. 
Well, and yeah, because you get short eyes. If no one knows what that means, yeah, there's Google no, it. There's no fucking, there is no, uh, these were great actors that put the scare in me. Uh-huh. And every night I was like, uh, and everybody's watching you and you're like, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and then I, I was thoroughly uh, shocked by the play Miguel's riveting dialogue. And I just, I get goosebumps. I thought he was one of the greatest playwrights and, uh, he, uh, he did something to me. I love the play. And then I got awards and then, then no, then I got a, uh, I got a TV show. I got an episode at Fame. I thought I was Dean James Dean. I didn't work for two years, okay. and and I got a Pepsi commercial that went national, paid me a lot. Okay. And then, uh, then was, was it regular like, Pepsi or was it that time when they tried the Crystal Pepsi? <laughs> oh no, no, it was great Pepsi National, dude. Uh, okay. <laughs> King Senera, Mexican, and I'm dancing. With, I'm dancing waltz with the girl, and I got ching. Then right. one day, I'm I'm depressed. It's been two years since I haven't worked, and I'm gonna hit the unemployment line or something. And I get an audition. Go see Wes Craven for Nightmare on Elm Street. This horror film. Nobody knew Wes except The Hills Have Eyes. You know those creepy, yeah. You know second uh, B movies. Yeah. They seen, they, they Last seen, house on the left. That's how I, that scared the, the kabajizis out of me. Yeah. And then I was like, I got the role. And then he said, would you stick around? And then we read all these uh, kind of, what is it? St- like jocks, high school jocks. And they then they got skinny, uh, really small, super sensitive, skinny uh, Johnny K, Johnny, Johnny Depp. Yeah, I want to say, how was working with a young Johnny Depp? And he was skinny like me, but he was super like, he wore a sweater. He was really, but apparently he was a rock star already, or he was playing guitars. He was married, but he was always just this really just nice guy. I can't say anything about him. And he did not talk like the Pirate of the Caribbean guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. He, he got a little he got a little weird as as, as weird. Yeah. It's not the Johnny I knew. Johnny was like crybaby Johnny. Yeah. Of course. 21 Jump Street, he went off to do that. And then I um and then I kept doing movies. I did he actually Johnny gave me the script for Gotcha. And Gotcha would be my next film. Right. Uh, a little trivia. The same writer for Gotcha put me in his short called uh, don't cry. It's only thunder. Oh, sh- and he remembered me and gave me the role. And, wow. but it was Johnny that said, Hey, here's the script. And I read the friend, my friend's name on it. And then we went our separate ways and Johnny was where he's at. You know, yeah. he's, he just, he just took off like yeah. great actor. Yeah. Just had it. And his best friend was like Nick cage, you know, like we'd be hanging out. I know like, we dude. I think he's like he's, <laughs> I gotta go. And then Nick would pick him up in a Corvette. But Nick at the time was, I almost got the role uh, with him and Sean Penn. And he ended up getting it. They're like best friends. And they they like, there's a, there's some kind of tragedy and girlfriends. And it's like, it was at a time in the eighties when, you know, Matt Dillon, he cut, he gets, he doesn't really get enough credit. He, Matt Dillon was probably, he does it, man. I'm sorry. Matt Dillon is one of the greatest actors. Listen, I'm not mad at you. Well, I agree. He's super Matt, underrated. He's so underrated. And man, I 
Love Dallas him. Winston from the Outsiders, man. <laughs> he killed it in the Outsiders, and yeah, I auditioned. The, I auditioned for the Outsiders. Did you really? And I was like one of those actors. I'm very contemporary with these guys, and they killed it. So it was like uh, Tom Cruise is in there. Tom um, Cruise, Ralph Macchio, C. Thomas Howell, Emilio Estevez, Don Emilio Estevez. So Emilio Estevez was a killer actor. Yeah, I don't know. He turned into a director, but. I mean, he smoked Charlie. Charlie was just a little kid, but it was uh, it was Emilio. It was I was around. I did a short, goofy film with these guys, and it was Chris Penn, Nick Cage. I was an, I was homeless on Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. and they picked me up and they said, "Hey, man, you want to be in a movie?" And it was like it was called The Pagoda, and it was a cheesy student eight millimeter, and the, everybody in it became an actor. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Chris Penn and and Nick Cage. Nick Cage. I'm, I'm thinking Rumblefish. Uh, so I remember Chris Penn before he died. I saw him in Santa Monica. I'm like, yo, uh, Buddha. The what is it? Uh, the Pagoda. He goes, no way, dude. You got that film? I'm like, no. But I was in it. He goes, oh <laughs> shit, I remember you. Then I I ran I ran into Nick Cage after he won the Oscar, and I was like, yo. The, in search of the pagoda, he's like, "No, dude, where's the film?" <laughs> no, shit, that's hilarious. We have this uh, personal game that we play with one another. It's like, "No, dude, that's incredible. You know where it is?" Like, I don't know. No, I have no idea. But this is when, these are where these are starving rich kids, you know? Yeah, starving rich kids. Do you remember the role that you auditioned for for the Outsiders? Uh, I don't. It definitely wasn't Ralph Macchio's, but one of the guys. Okay, because you know, you, I don't know if you're familiar, but a friend. Of I, mine went Zoab, I went to Zoe. I went to Zoe Studios. He he auditioned too. there. Okay, which is the old Desi Lou, and I love the books. Yeah, as he hinting because didn't Tom do several of the of the same authors' movies? Yes, Rumblefish as well. Yeah, and he was he was. He was my inspiration because I would be like Scott Baio too, but but uh, I just saw was, Scott Baio yesterday. Scott was like Scott's the coolest mother guy I ever met. <laughs> One time I was like John Roger had connections, my spiritual teacher, and we're um, I always I was his sidekick driver, and he'd be like, "Look, we got invited to Liza Minnelli's party. Would you like to go? Yeah, I definitely do. So Liza was following what Sammy Davis Jr. used to do, which was sit in front of a piano, invite a bunch of friends and play music. And it used to be called at Sammy's place. Sammy Davis Jr. has been gone, obviously. And, and she was married to a pianist, a pianist. And they were like having cocktails and I'd come in with John Roger and we'd be like, it was star studded. And, and, and uh, Scott Baio was there. Oh, shit. He didn't want anything to do with me, but I was like, yo, dude, you're my, you're my hero. And he's like, why? <laughs> nice. And uh, But he was a fan of Liza's, and we used to, I think I did two or three of those. Liza Minnelli, I mean, who, know, I mean, who knew, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was Matt Damon was, uh, I used to go to the clubs, Crush Clubs. Matt Dillon. Yeah, Matt Dillon. We used right. to play, and he was already a star. So he'd be at the he'd be at the corner. And the biggest thing was, I've already arrived as an actor. And I went to him and said thank you. And he was kind of coming. He was kind of 
who knew where he was, but he was still to me a star and he was Matt Dillon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, man. Do you know, like a little a quick off topic, Danny boy from the group house of pain, you know, jump around house of pain, the rap group. No. You know the song "Jump Around," pack it up, pack every. You know that song. You have to. Oh, know. jump around, that, jump, yeah, that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How's it go? Jump around, jump around. Now, <laughs> isn't it like jump, jump? <laughs> Do it. How's it? I'm not doing it. No, Danny Boy's my friend. He, he look at me like I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, I'm gonna but, find it. Oh yeah, well, come on. You know it's it's the it's the trumpets in the beginning. Every single. Both, every single stadium plays it. You know the song Jump Around by House of Pain. Anyway, Danny. It's called House of Pain? The House of, House of Pain is the name of the group. Dude, I'm so ignorant. <laughs> you know this song. My daughter oh, knows this song. Around. You know it. Okay, wait, hold on. I got to hear putting it. the video on, you got to fast forward a little bit because it doesn't start out the regular song. Yeah, yeah, I got it. You know it. <laughs> Telling you, everyone knows. It. You definitely know it. Well, anyway, Danny Boy is one of the guys from House of Pain, and he wound up buying the house that the Outsiders was filmed in, and now it's the Outsiders House Museum in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, it's funny. They're trying to sell the Nightmare on Elm Street house. You see that? Buy it. No, dude. It's like it's in Hollywood. It's crazy. So what? It's crazy. Buy and turn it into a museum. It'd be awesome. Let me see. Um, just I, I get, this is getting to me. If I can't figure this out, I'm telling you, you know it. It's, it's you're gonna be like, oh, that song. I heard a nine thousand. You know this song. It sounded like another rap song that did the same thing. No, you're talking about crisscross. Everybody jump, jump, everybody jump. No, yeah, same, yeah. Same time frame, completely different. <laughs> same time frame because it still had that whistle. <laughs> the whistle, right. So anyway, yeah, Danny Boy wound up buying the Outsiders House and made the Outsiders House Museum. And it's awesome. Wow. He's doing a lot of awesome things out there. Ralph Macchio's been out there. I don't know about Matt Dillon, but S.E. Hinton's always out there. It's, a, it's awesome. Randy Shinovsky, who I had him on the podcast. He's the first assistant cameraman who's been on nine million things. He has a crazy story. Next thing you know, he's watching the rumble scene standing next to Francis Ford Coppola. Like this whole crazy story. But that I had no idea that you auditioned for the outsides. It's pretty cool. It's one of my favorite and movies. I, and I I was friend, God, what was it? Um I just fell in love with uh Cobra Diane. Kai. Oh, no, oh Cobra dude, Kai. Cobra Kai is awesome, dude. So I worked with Diane Lane. First of all, I was in love with her since she did this when she was a teenager and she did a, a love story movie with this kid. Okay. And the head guy was Lawrence Olivier, but um, she was, dude, I was a, I was a, a glorified extra. That means one that gets, keeps working in right. different scenes, as long as you don't show the face. Right. You know that is. So you could be a glorified and I was making bank in 1980 on the cotton club set with Richard Gere, Diane Lane. And that's, that's funny. I just recently had a guy on who worked, he's a makeup guy. 
John, he's an Academy Award winner. He did Heath Ledger's makeup and the Joker. He's he's Al Pacino's guy. I just had John Caglione on, and he worked on the Cotton Club. Yeah, so it there was a casting director that loved me, and the costume lady won Chariots of Fire best costume. She adored me and gay and just dressed me to the nines. Francis was like, "Hey, let's put him in," but finally they put me in as the as Vera's nightclub uh, uh noted uh, maitre d they showed my face i was out I, <laughs> and richard we both had the same agent so richard's like hey i'll help you out i'll order as soon as we got into dialogue i was done nice so now real quick because i definitely i don't, I don't want to hold you hostage for very long no, no we can do a part many volumes of this yeah, well, this, well i want to talk i definitely want to talk a little bit nightmare on Elm Street, just because. I mean, right before we press record, it's crazy when you do conventions. Halloween, Hollywood, Halloween. How 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 the the franchise, similar to like Friday the Thirteenth and the Halloween franchise, how it's flipping generations and going and going and going. Which I find that stuff fascinating because, like I said, in eight, what when when did. When did it come out? 84? 84, yeah. I was nine. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. And I just saw Robert Englund a month and a half ago at a convention doing a panel. And it's like, oh. I sit there and I watch him and I'm just like, this is crazy. You know, yesterday I was at the Chiller convention and I looked in and there's Scott Bayo. It's like, as I said, so I literally saw Scott Bayo yesterday, you oh, know. Man. Yeah, so it's it's awesome. And like I said, I speak to a bunch of Friday 13 people. And it's like, did you have, I mean, how could you? Like, while you were on the set of Nightmare on Elm Street, did you have any foresight of what this was even going to turn into at all? I mean, how could yeah. you, right? No. Nobody did. It's, there was a, I, knew, I, I knew one thing, that Wes was original in the, in the story. Sure. Because, you know, Shakespeare's What Dreams May Come, um, he psychologically probably ruined people in a certain way because it's like, oh, my God, what in the dream state? It's it's a monster in the box. You know, I think J.J. Abrams talks about how to write um, thrillers and exciting things. Wes nailed it. So it's like, but he, I heard Wes had a dream. So I was like, wow, he really got a dream monster, you know, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And he nailed it. So then it wasn't just a dude in a lake, although I, I wasn't, a, I was addicted to like Friday the 13th, just Me too. Kill, kill someone and get jolted. Right. Yeah. And uh, in the movie that is, but in, in Friday the 13th, I mean, in, in, in Freddy Krueger, I was like, oh, that's this got a good storyline. Uh, yeah, it's a lot deeper than your average slasher movie. For it's, sure. a, it's a child abuser. And then the parents burn his ass. Yeah. And then <laughs> it's he, fucking twisted. <laughs> it's twisted. It's really twisted. And it's like, it's bizarre. And then it, I kind of bailed on the first one and came back when Wes came back on the sixth or something. I did. I forgot what it was. And I did a. I would barter. I would Wes Craven. I would play um, racquetball for movies. That's how I got okay. Brooklyn uh, Vampire, uh, Vampire Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay. I was like, yo, if I beat you in racquetball, 
uh, you'll give me a role. He's like, all right. So he gave me a small role in it. I beat him. <laughs> then I called him up and I'm like, yo, I'll give you my leather jacket on Nightmare on Elm Street if I get a role. So he did. Do you have anything like, 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 uh, like right now, anything production? Uh, used? I should have saved the leather jacket. I would have been a gazillionaire. Dude. Yeah. Now, yeah. how was it? I know that what it's, it reminded me of like the exorcist. Wasn't the room where Amanda Wiss, your girlfriend, Tina in the movie, that whole set was revolving, correct? Like they actually. That, used- that, that was the most interesting thing. That, that was the best. Well, first of all, the oh, it's it's a lost art on special effects without cgi these guys oh. i forgot i forgot the name of the art form but practical they, effects huh practical effects is that what it's, i don't know but a real tongue it isn't fake yeah uh, they actually put a pool they put the tub over a pool so that the hand the dude can swim up yeah and she can sink down i mean that's some serious stuff yeah and then the, my stuff was cheesy. They put a, they tried to hang me with fishing wire and it broke. Then they finally got the right tension to hang me on fishing wire. They wrap a towel around the fishing wire. So yeah. I'm like, Ugh. yeah. And um, so that was, that bar was cheesy. That's, that didn't take any great special effects, but uh, it was effective did. though, man, because at the time it's like, Freddie goes through the bars and he goes into your jail. That was, that was, that was Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, Holy shit. This is, this is fucking real. <laughs> and, um, remember the wall and his hands going through the wall Yeah, or the sinking stairs. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was talking about, but, uh, about you being hung in the cell and the practical effects. Um, you know, the West Craven. Ha- oh yeah. So the, the, uh, the room, oh, yeah, being- the, 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 the room, the revolving room, where it's seriously, these guys must have studied old effects. Yeah. Uh, the king of effects. And Fred Astaire comes from the Fred Astaire room. And I think I'm brave enough to say that before Fred Astaire comes from Charlie Chaplin. Okay. That I think Charlie Chaplin was manipulating rooms. And just look at his old stuff. Yeah. And, um, and, and then perspective, you know, like you tilt the room up. Sure. But basically me and Wes and the camera guy were nailed down and then upside down. And then the, you know, the hair's down and everything. Yeah. And everything's nailed down. And then when she, when she fell into the, well, it wasn't her, it was a stunt woman. Right. The blood splattered and went and out the door. On, onto you. And it went on to me. We're all playing poker down here. And it was, I was like, oh God, that's gross. Uh, but other than that, it was the one time I only did drugs on a movie set. And I felt so bad. I felt like I was cheating on my art. And uh, and um, what part I, was did it? It, I did it during the jail cell when I was crying. They had, he had knives. He had fingers like knives. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you know, I was very methody and Matt Dillon like. I'm not I'm not saying Matt did drugs, but very like brooding. Uh huh. Like, Oh, you know, I'm going to be there, Johnny. I'm going to be there. We're going to do it for Johnny. Let's do it for Johnny. And I was trying to get to that emotional state. And of course, I can't do that. So a little (laughs) drug, a little drugs got me loose. Right. And and then I was like, I'll never do it again. It was horrible feeling. Yeah. That was just the only scene I did. Everything else, I was sober. Right. And from then on, I, I never did drugs 
not even drinking, nothing. I wouldn't violate. There's a violation um, as far as I'm concerned. Right. You violate the art. You right. can party right. all, I think you can party anytime you want. Right. Just don't do it when, you're, when you're creating in the art. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I'm 37 so, sober, 37 years sober. Nice. I'm a little over oh. seven. Nice. So yeah. my thing is like, hey, man, it's good to be a little sober to watch the creation. You know? Of course. hundred percent. I didn't want to. That's one thing I'm really proud of. I didn't want to. I wanted my wits about me because energetically, it's incredible when you're in the moment, when you're creating in the moment. It's it's like a high. It's actually like a cocaine high naturally. Yeah. You're totally, you're buzzing, your, your endorphins are like, wow, man, I really got that. And the director, I mean, I can imagine why the, the, the Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, uh, Pesci thing works because there's, there's Buddhism. It's a nowness. It's a flow. Yeah. And acting, if you do it right, then the, the camera captures it, you know? Sure. I think. I think Wes had it. Uh, and then, you know, to give a lot of credit to Robert England, he and he and he, you know, exemplified that crazy dude. Oh, yeah. And even like in real life, he seems batshit crazy, but in he's, a bad, cool he's way. crazy. Yeah. He seems like a fun dude, man. <laughs> he was, a, he would come up to me and go, Jay Zoo. He doesn't even know me. We don't know each other. <laughs> Jay Zoo. A cable television show would be good for you. And I was like, thanks, Robert. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Bob. But we only see each other like maybe once in a blue moon in a, in a convention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but nobody wants to talk because Robert knows everything. I can't remember anything. Right. And Robert, know, Robert knew everything. So huh. his mind is sharp as, as a yeah. scissor, man. He's like, oh, yeah, me and Wes went out. We created this whole so his whole relationship with the makeup artist who just passed away, actually, hmm. a friend of mine, uh, Lazar, Lazar, uh, guy, he just passed away. He was the makeup artist. And um, and his relationship with Wes was amazing. So, you know, he had a long term effect with, with Wes. and also Bob Shea uh, putting all his money when he did. You know, I think they ran out of money and shit. Yeah. And then huh. crazy. It's such, it's so crazy, man. And, and there's remakes and reboots and this and that. It's like, you know what? Give me, give me the first one. Give me the second and third. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. Listen, I got, I got three sponsors I need to shout out really fast. And then I want to touch on. You're a minister. Yes. Okay. Good. Hold that thought. Are you a coffee guy? Yeah, of course. All right, good stuff. One of my sponsors is called Dead Sled Coffee. Deadsledcoffee.com. And this is that I'm not aiming this at you. This is for people who are listening. Follow them on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. Now, what's really cool about them, and now I'm just not saying this because they're a sponsor, is that they they're a small coffee company, super small, but they do like really awesome things. Like they have officially licensed and it's funny that you're on this um they have officially licensed robert england brew it's called the nightmare blend it's like super strong it's officially licensed white uh rob zombie 
the band Kiss. They just came out with Skid Row, the band. Um, they do like a whole, who else? There's, there's a whole, an Elvira blend. Um, Bill Mosley. They do a whole bunch of these really cool licensed special brews. Dead Sled Coffee. And if you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you type in promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 20% off of your order. And any order over $60 is free domestic shipping. Dead Sled Coffee. Yeah, man. Um, second, this is local. The last guys on the block. They've been around since 1992. They survived the pandemic. Generation Records, located at 210 Thompson Street in the West Village here in New York City. Follow them on Instagram at Generation Records. If you cannot make it to the actual brick and mortar spot, go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com. You can order stuff online and they also have an eBay page. So once again, Generation Records on Instagram. And last but definitely not least is New Republic Printing for screen printing, embroidery, vinyl stickers, and buttons. Follow them on Instagram at New Republic Printing. If you go to newrepublicprinting.net, there's a drop-down menu, any kind of brand of clothing, T-shirt, tank tops, windbreakers, hoodies, whatever you want. They will print on whatever brand you want. The best thing about them is there's no setup fees, there's no screen fees, and if you have your order shipped to any commercial address, like your job, or if you're cool with the guy at the gas station at the corner and you trust him with your stuff, it's free UPS ground shipping. So you can order a thousand shirts and get 30 boxes delivered and it doesn't cost you a nickel more. Dead Sled Coffee, Generation Records, New Republic Printing. And that's that. Thanks for sitting through that, bro. <laughs> I love it. I have to close my eyes half the time to do it or else it doesn't come out right. <laughs> That's OG. That's the way with the Johnny Carson used to do it. You got to do it. That's what I do. I'm, I'm completely off the cuff, minus a couple of little notes here. Um, but yes, you are a minister. But now I, I didn't go too, too, too deep, but you did produce slash direct slash star and write three movies. Yeah. Three. Um, it would, you know, I've been in Hollywood, dude. The only person that green lit me was my spiritual teacher. <laughs> okay. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> and and uh, the organization was like, that's cool, but keep it spiritual, you know? Okay. Well, since it's a spiritual organization, we don't want to be like making movies on monkeys. It doesn't match. Right. Right. So now I got, I, I, got I don't know lit. even how to, I don't even know how to approach this. Like I said, I don't interview anybody. So I just want to give you the floor, basically, to teach me or tell me, because it's not your quote unquote usual, I don't even know if religion is the right word. Yeah, no, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. Um, I figured it was, but I'm not going to try to explain it. <laughs> most, most. Uh, producers in Hollywood are Jewish. So they follow Judaism. That's, that's a fact. Um, I loved the holidays because you can take Catholic holidays off. I mean, in terms of show business, it'd be like, Oh, we're down for uh, three days, man. Why? Well, it's Rosh Hashanah, the thing, and the, this and that, and everybody's out. And then we've got, you know, Palm this Palm that. Uh Um, And then you've got Buddhists, you know, like, uh, I would later learn like, um, God, uh, Ramus, the guy that did, um, 
um, good, uh, the guy that did uh, Groundhog Day. I know the I, movie. I don't know who did it. Uh, his name is Ramus. He wrote it. Okay. He wrote Ghostbusters. Okay. Harold, Howard Ramus. Yes. Okay, he did. Okay, so I'm I'm at there. I found I found myself uh, going to the school of um, uh, what was it? It was Robert Redford's school of uh, what's that festival that he has over there? Robert Redford's. Robert, yeah, in Utah. Anyway, there's oh, a there's know. a camp. There's a camp in Utah, a Sundance. But okay. not, the, not the film festival. He has a camp for directors and writers. And it's like, yo, they nurture you and everything. So I was there. I was with Howard Ramis. He's a Buddhist. And then I was, um, there's Catholic, there's Christians, and meditative actors, people that meditate, this and that. And then for me, it's like, I was lost. I'm just giving you the, the, the field in the acting world. And some people are doing Kabbalah, you know, people do this and that. Yo, you, if you're an actor, you got to do something or you get, you get lost. Okay. So the acting classes really help you. And the acting classes are one of the best forms of getting to know who you are. There's, if you're with the right acting teacher, there's no goofing off of, of cutting everything that you're not and getting to who you are. Okay. So then I was a seeker of who I am and acting was just the beginning. And what do most actors kind of want to do? They want to get into the moment to find out that character, which is really them. Sure. Any actor that tells you they were in a character is bullshitting. You don't go nowhere. Right. You are the cat, you know, De Niro is that guy. Right. Okay. I don't care how many, Okay, he combs his hair this way, this way. He's a hero. Right. And what you're what he's accessing is the character's uh behavior in himself. Correct. And and that's that is a total turn on because you're finding out things that you muscles that you don't work. So great. So then I was empty. I had a great career and I was going pretty strong. It was around Heartbreak Ridge. I turned down Heartbreak Ridge. And a bunch of uh, movies. Uh, I just felt lost. And you just and turned it down just because I was I was a mess emotionally, okay. and 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 then I was dabbling in drugs, and I was lost. And I was like, well, I can't find myself. I'm lost in pretending to be other people. Right. That's another thing that if an actor isn't, I think Merle Street is like to me a great example of. She turns it on and off very well. Yeah. And you got to turn that stuff off. You're not an actor, not an actor. You're identifying as an actor, but you're not an actor. You're not a plumber. You're not an Uber driver. Actors are not actors. They're just getting paid a lot of money and they love it. Right. That's not who they are when they go home. You can be. And that's why some marriages don't work because they don't know how to dump the role. Right. Well, then I'm affected by all that. And then I meet a a guy called John Roger and there's courses that you can take called insight, very similar to S landmark and all actors love this kind of stuff that I know. Right. They, actors that I know want to self-improve. You don't want to always be down here and play down there. Right. You, want to, you can only play as good as you are. So sure. I wanted to know more about me. If I found out more about me, I'd find out more about you. If I played you. Right. 
And okay. Makes there sense. is something there is something to say about acting because you reveal more about who you are by playing someone else. Right. Because you're really playing me. Like when I played Che Guevara, I was like, well, what's that cold assassin part of me? Let me explore that. Right. That that's dark. Yeah. <laughs> then you're like, yeah absolutely. Then you're like, so then you're like, wow, I'm glad I'm not that. Right. And uh, so, uh, you know, onward, uh, my thing, then I met, I did the classes, I found out closer about self-honoring choices, loving myself. And then I took spiritual psychology. I love that, uh, which is psychology with a spiritual spin on it. And then I moved in and started working with the spiritual master and helping him. And at the same time, he was helping my acting. And that's when I started to learn the woo-woo stuff in acting. So there's a lot of, there's like acting and it's same as performing, you know, have you ever watched a group and you're just elevated? Right. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I saw Matrix, it blew me off. It blew me out. It just, it blew me, it blew my head off, you know, when I saw yeah. Matrix. Yeah. It's because it's, if you, and I'm talking about really seeing Matrix and then you start to experience that this is all a Matrix. And you start to how do you tap into that observations the best way? So first of all, breathing and you're 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 just aware of your breathing and then you start to move between the ears and just observe. Don't react. Observe and start observing. What is acting? Most acting is observation. Most acting classes and that they put you through is observing. Stop talking. The ego talks, the soul observes. So by observing, even Einstein, let's go scientific. Einstein said, I wish I can spend, I wish I would have spent more time observing. How did he come up with all those things? Read his books. He observed a lot and he uses imagination. He'd be sitting there list, watching a train go by and just observing it. What, it, what was our, 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 and then he, that's how he came up with relativity observation. One of the things that's interesting about acting, one of the exercises that Penny Perry used to, Penny, Peggy Fury used to tell us is go to a airport terminal, uh, go to a park and just sit there and watch. New York, when I'm in New York, I sit in parks and just watch. Oh yeah, New, I do that all New, the time. New York, and then that's, that's how you start to see the matrix. You start to see that conversation. Oh These yeah. People, like New York right now, I just, I'm on the subway in the morning and in the afternoon during rush hour, five days a week minimum. Sit, sit there and just observe. Don't read Stand a book. There. <laughs> okay, but don't listen to music. Don't observe. Don't just read. Just observe, and you'll see. Okay, these people are fighting. That person's crying. Yeah. That, that guy's upset. Ooh, that guy's about to attack this person. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know what I mean? And, sure. And, and when you start to move there, you see the matrix. You pull back more, and you pull back more. And it's a state, it's a different state uh, of operation. And uh, that's where I go. Meditation. Okay. I, started, I started to join the movement of spiritual inner awareness. They talk, it's a, it's a, a yoga of sound and listening. That's really a yoga. It's okay. not, it's non-denominational. It's not religious, although I'm a Catholic. Right. And I'm Christian. It's a more... It's less, it's less in, I don't, and I'm a minister, but that doesn't mean I got to go out and do anything. Right. Okay. It just means 
on, on a good day, I can marry someone. On a on a bad day, I do nothing. Right. But okay. I, and it, it isn't it isn't uh, it doesn't have anything on it except we we don't have we don't go in the corner and go you must join. Right. Uh, again, uh, with the inflictions going on in the world that you have to wear a mask, don't have to wear a mask, have to be vaccinated, not vaccinated. We don't have any of that. Right. We, we say this, you're responsible. That's it. And uh, that's all. And definitely the way that I was brought up with my teacher and all our organizations, we teach self-responsibility and and no victim is allowed, no victimness is allowed in our organizations. There are true victims, you know, that people that get hurt. But but this whole thing of you did this to me, I got hurt feelings. We don't roll like that. No. For some reason, and I studied psychology. For some reason, during this whole time, everybody forgot psychology yeah. of, of projection. You know, you're not people that are complaining, yo. But why don't you look at your own crap and fix yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%, man. But, man, we lost any, any idea. One of the ideas I had is why don't we get counselors in every corner that you can just talk with someone? You know, like you said earlier on, hey, let's just talk. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you need is a friend to talk to and some stuff starts leaving you. Yeah, 100%. But, get that shit off your chest, whatever it is. But I got I just can't listen to the news. That's one thing I did. Oh, God. No. I got rid of I got rid of the paper, the news, and I just call friends that aren't gonna start with open-ended questions like, isn't it terrible what's going on with the government? Uh, it's like it's like okay, it's 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 like wrestling, it's like pro wrestling, it's like whatever, yours this side, that's uh, it's it's so exhausting. And even though it's like played out at this point, it's like Come on, man. It's like the same things are happening now in certain ways that they did forever. It's politics. Yeah. It's yeah. let's all just pin against each other. Let's argue about things, especially now with social media. Yeah, I'm going to spend my day arguing with somebody I don't know in real life and try to change their mind. About, it's, it's what are you doing with your time? It's it's it, it makes me insane. It's like yeah. I have right now I'm in Facebook jail for like, I don't know, 19 more days because I called, <laughs> because I literally called somebody. I even have the screenshot because no one no one would believe me. I called a, a friend of mine a silly goose. A silly goose. I was like, I don't do silly things like that, you goose. 30 days quote-unquote bullying against community standards i'm like what children say that it's insane so so i'm not i'm in facebook jeff like 19 more days but like i'm only on instagram i'm only on facebook for like literally like two things i do this i do the podcast and i do this this um film this film like location scouting exploration thing that i do um yeah which is also with um with Danny Boy from House of Pain also, the Delta Bravo Urban Exploration Team. So those are the two real reasons why I'm even on Facebook at all. If you see my Instagram page, it's just the Brooklyn Blastwords. It's only podcast stuff. I don't do nothing personal on that, nothing. It's just, that's the reason. Neither. You'll never see my personal, like who I voted for, who didn't vote for, right. politics. I just promote what I do. Yeah. 
And that's really, I think, I mean, listen, I understand people are on Facebook to, you know, there's family and, you know, I, I understand that part, but to go on there and argue with people that you don't know in real life and you're arguing with a grown adult who is set in their ways and you're trying to convince a stranger to look at certain things your way. It's like, I, I don't get it. I don't even yeah, get I think it. I also think there's other people's jobs to, to straighten people out. And I love that Dave Chappelle there'll be more Dave Chappelle's and I don't need to do it. Right. And so there'll be more of those people going, Hey guys, and they're more intelligent than I am. Yeah. Hit the subject. And they uh, have their big platform, of course, platform. And I think there's going to be a, like a pushback of like, Hey guys, chill out. Yeah. You got to relax. You got to relax. Everybody needs just to settle down. And, and my thing is in my, in my, uh, the way I was taught was love and don't do it to the least one. And, and, and it's hard. I just got through working with someone to help me clear judgments, you know, little tiny judgments that I had yeah. about aging. My big deal is like, I'll look at De Niro now and just go crazy. Like, Oh God. And so I have to stop. <laughs> I have to stop the oh God, because all my heroes, like I look at Mick Jagger and I'm like, oh my God, what happened? Right. You know, like, and then I'm 58, yo. So I'm like, these are all my guys. You you know? get, yeah, you, you, they're all your guys. I look at like Stallone. Stallone like, too. Like, yeah, like, listen, Rocky is like my, like my favorite Me franchise too. of movies. And it's like, and now it's like, uh, I see him in Creed 2. I mean, even in Rocky Balboa, he's, he fought for the last time. And it's like, leave your shirt on, dude. It's like, you're making me sad. You know what I mean? Where's John Rambo from First Blood? You know what I mean? Like, that's a, it's, it's crazy, man. By the way, we used to do this trivia. What actors did three trilogies? What actors have done three trilogy movies? Well, I'm going to say, oh, well, the first person that popped in my head, but I think I'm wrong, would be Schwarzenegger, because all I think is the Terminator right off the top of my head. Well, Stallone did well, three. St- Stallone did, did Rambo, Rambo, Rocky. Uh, Rocky, and then uh, what was the other one that he did? Oh, Rambo, Rocky, and... All right, I think Cobra, I think Demolition Man. I All right, think. let me skip. Uh, Tyler Shire did Rocky. Talia Rambo, Shire. Wait, and the Godfather. Rocky, Godfather and, an, and another one. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it was... I, Is Talia Shire still alive? Yeah, yeah. Is she? Oh, you know who I'm thinking of? I'm thinking Lois Lane from... Uh, what's her name? Oh, no. Tyler Shire is Coppola's sister, so she's there. Okay. Yeah, she'll live forever. I'm just trying to think what, what did rock? I mean, Stallone has just nailed it. He's just keeps. Oh, dude, that dude, th- th- listen, you know, you, you get that, you know, uh, who's somebody that you, you, you sit down and you have a drink with just to pick their brain. It'd be two people. One person is dead. That would be George Collin. Yeah. George Collin. I, I, By the way, uh, I, have him, I have him tattooed on me. George oh, dude, you would love this. Brenda and Carlin produced Short Eyes. Get out of here. They, they adopted me. I was practically homeless. And what happened is this Puerto Rican actor is chauffeuring, chauffeuring Carlin. Carlin has a heart attack in real life. Yeah. And my friend, Puerto Rican guy, saves him. 
And Carlin goes, anything you want. And he goes, I want to produce a play. And that guy directed, sorry, he directed it. He directed it. Uh, Brenda produced it. Carlin produced it. And uh, James Kahn produced it. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I used to go to Carlin's house. Carlin. I uh, In New York? Uh, no, Carlin lived. Uh, well, I know where he lived in New York. Up in, There's George Carlin Way now. It's up in all. Oh, God. No, he lived with Brenda. Brenda died of cancer. Yes. She, they had a daughter, Kelly. Yes. And they, they live right at the base of Sunset. Okay. And and I remember he's so funny, dude. Just a quick story, if I, if I can say. Sure. It. Yeah, man. So he invites me to his, to his daughter's wedding, my, almost like my sister. And because I kind of grew up with them while he produced and I wasn't working then. Then I became this actor and I would visit. Brenda, I would take Brenda out. She was kind of frail. And, uh, and Brenda, I think, was already gone. And 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 I went to Kelly's wedding or maybe she was alive. And I took a lady guest of mine and we were in the back, you know, shagging. Uh-huh. And uh, he opens up the kitchen door and he goes, Jay, Nick, oh, sorry, continue. And then he, <laughs> so every time, every time I would see him, he goes, that's the only guy that would shag at my daughter's wedding. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. That's one guy that was like, when I heard the news that he died, because everyone knew, like in, I was probably younger than the first time I saw Nightmare on Elm Street. I watched it on Betamax. I was like seven and I watched Colin at Carnegie. And I'm sitting there hysterical laughing, watching him talk about how, you know, a tomato or the outside of a tomato is beautiful, but inside of a tomato, something is wrong. It's like in the larval stage, you know, it's like there's a bunch of jelly and seeds and he makes these faces and get her off my plate. And I'm like seven years old, like belly laughing, watching this guy. And from that point on, I followed Colin. I have all of his books here. And when I got the news, like my phone was going crazy. Colin died, this and that. I was devastated, devastated. My, my, from our, from our ministerial church, uh, Patty Elvey took care of him. And uh, he, he needed someone to personally take care of him. And it was her. She, she kind of did that care took. So I would always see him at the same restaurants and yeah, like Nick he used to call me Nick. Nick, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm just here. He knew about my teacher. Okay. Goes, What's going on? What are you doing? Nothing. How can you do? Oh God, I'll never forget you shagging in the back. <laughs> yeah. This kid, this kid's crazy. Uh-huh. And then he remarried to a woman named Sally. And then Sally put out a book called the George Collin letters. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's basically, um, it's actually right here, right next to his book, last words. Oh, my God. It's right here. The George Collin letters. And it's called The Permanent Courtship of Sally Wade. And basically what it is, it's like a scrapbook of like sticky notes that he would like leave like on like the on like the the mirror in the bathroom. And she would wake up and see like these little silly things like like, oh, it's you know, we were dating for six months and then it, it, it took me. To, to buy bagels and breakfast for you to show me your tits. And like, that's like, like on like the bathroom wall, like she wakes up and saw that. So she wanted to put out a book 
basically to show like the other side that the majority of people did not see about George. He was, and, uh, she, and she sent me this book. I became friendly uh, with her. One, uh, one of the things he was a master technician. Uh, I remember in his garage, he had all his jokes on file, like yeah. a like a little like these drawers from the library. Yeah, he yeah. Was, he was crazy good, man. Crazy wordsmith. I mean, just just I mean, beyond the comedian. I mean, the dude was uh, a his his dream was to be an actor, bro. You, you wouldn't yeah. believe. It. And yeah. so he lived vicariously through me temporarily, and then he ended up in the Ted Ted. Ted and something excellent adventure. Yeah, Bill and Ted's excellent Bill adventure. And Ted's. Yeah, that was Rufus. Huh? Rufus was his name in it. <laughs> yes. He's the yeah. only guy that made me laugh, dude. Yeah. So it would it would be him to pick his brain and Stallone. Those would be the two. Just to Stallone. shake it. I wouldn't even break Stallone's chops. I just want to shake the guy's hand and say thank you and keep it moving. Yeah, I love, I love. You know, they're all, God bless them. They're all, yeah, they're all up there. Sure. Yeah. Dude, this was fucking cool, man. Thank you, buddy. And no, uh, next you. time, if you want to do this again. A hundred percent, dude. I'll, I'll talk with you anytime. Um, do you have like social media stuff you want to let people know to follow you? Anything yeah, like that? You know, you're on there. If you do the story, I'll add it on there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, at, you're you guys, you know, you're spiritual like, warriors. Spiritual Warriors, I have a friend that makes whatever she wants. She gives it to me and, and it says, add to your story and I'll do that. Okay. Whatever yeah, you so want. So if I add something to my story, you just, you can just. Yeah, you got you to gotta send it to me and then I'll pass it on. Okay. I'll and send then, you whatever. And then uh, if, have you ever interviewed Sally Kirkland? Do you know Sally Kirkland? I don't know Sally Kirkland. Not, yeah. not personally. Uh, well, if you need any people to interview, let me look around. Dude, like I said, I, I'm not I'm not picky. Like I'll speak to anybody that I respect or or right I'm a fan of whatever it might be that they do. Right on. Thank you so much. I'll bullshit with Sally Kirkland all day long. Yeah, she's a good friend of mine. Yeah, I want to talk about her. best of the best with her. How was it working with Chris Penn and uh, uh, Eric Roberts? I got to direct Eric Roberts. What a great guy. I met Eric Roberts too, not that long ago. Eric's Super tough nice guy. guy. Eric, Eric's tough. He's like, you want a tear here? You want a tear there? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, Eric. I'm like, I don't, you know, whatever, dude. I, he goes, hey, do you want a tear here? Or that? I'm like, Eric, I'm, I'm just like, you're the, you're the movie star. And he goes, no, tell me. I'm like, all right, left eye. And Eric's like, ah. Nice. That's hilarious. He's like Denzel Washington, dude. He's like, Dude, he's another dude that he's super underrated. Like I met him, he was a sweetheart of a guy, and it's like Robert's no. one of the uh, one of the greatest man, one of the greatest. Yeah, uh, he turns it on, dude. He knows acting. Yeah, yeah. It just a regular guy. I had like a few minutes with him. Like he took his time with people. It wasn't a crazy packed convention because people are still leery or whatever, but I don't care. I'm at conventions all the time. But I was like, I got to meet Eric Roberts. Like, how can I pass up the opportunity to say what's up to Eric Roberts? You know what I mean? And he like, was. I, I just love him. Yeah. I just go, I go, somebody Googled and said, you can't look in Eric Roberts' eyes or something. And I was directing him and don't mention anything about his sister. 
So you know me, I'm gonna go against all that. I'm like, well, hey, how's Julia doing? <laughs> how's Julia doing? And then, he's like, and then he goes, what? And I said, it says on Google that I can't say anything about your, your sister in front of you. How's Julia? And Robert's like, hey man, <laughs> let's just have lunch and I'll tell you more. And so we yeah. had lunch. And then he told me, and I was so sorry I brought it up because there it's a sensitive thing, you know. It's right. Like, of course. It's not, I don't even know the story. So Google, I, Google sucks, but it's it's just brother and sister and, and he loves her. And yeah. it's none it's none of my business to go, hey, but right. you know, it, but you gotta sense. do that. That's your inner New York asshole coming out. Well, I, I heard something like you can't look at Stallone in the eye. And of course I ran into Stallone. I'm looking at him in his eye. Yeah. Because I I'm look like, at him dead in his eye. I'm looking in his eye. And if he says something, I love you too much. What do you do? <laughs> Why are you looking at me, kid? Because I admire you. Right. Get over it, buddy. You're fine for nothing. Relax yourself. You're like an idol. <laughs> yeah, Eric Roberts is just amazing. Yeah, dude. Yeah, listen, hit me up. Like, listen, right. throw people my way. If As long as, because I've messaged so many people, but they have so many followers and they'll never read my message. So, yeah, man, if I can get in touch with these people, throw me, throw me people, man. That would be yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, Sally knows a lot. I'll talk with Sally all day long. All right, dude. Awesome. Take care. Dude, thank you so much. And stay in we touch. Say, we say love and light, brother. All right, love and light, my man. All right, man. Be good. And have fun. You too. <laughs> Later, man. <laughs>